Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following big interview was posted in full for our socios, our members, our supporters, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter last season, which in case you've forgotten, was 2018-19. Sign up there and you get these extra interviews 12 months in advance of everybody else and who doesn't like to be ahead of the game. You'll have bonus content as well and a more interactive experience in general. For the rest of you, here's what the socios were listening to this time last year. I'm Graham. This is the big interview. Our guest uh, this week is Simon Stainrod. Have I taken a risk? Maybe. Simon's greatest playing days were perhaps before some of you began watching football. Not before mine. And many of you I know will not only remember Simon as an outrageously gifted but also outrageously cheeky footballer. And I mean that in the best possible sense. The ball, to him, wasn't simply a friend, but a friend with whom he could get out and do ridiculous things on a Saturday afternoon or a Wednesday night. To my way of thinking, he came from a special family. Now, I don't mean the Stainrods, much as though I guess, given how Simon's turned out, they must be pretty special, but that family that included Frank Worthington, Stan Bowles, Duncan McKenzie, Tony Curry. And in the modern time, Zidane, Valeron, Chabi Prieto, men of um, impressive size, height, power sometimes, but unified by being witty, creative, anarchic. We call them mavericks. I call them one of the main reasons that you and I love football. Beyond that, Simon is a special man. He's funny, he's a really good friend to have. He's intelligent, he's inquisitive, he takes risks, he's hell of a good fun to go out with. Falkirk fans, this is going to be, I predict, the only wonderful footballer of European class who ends up tearful at the memory of Falkirk Football Club and Brockville. This is a guy who I first met, he tells me, <laughs> at Dundee when he was manager, a guy with whom I mucked about during uh, World Cup 98 in France, a guy whose wedding I went to, a guy who every time I talk to him either makes me laugh or makes me learn something new. He is as entertaining off the pitch as he was on the pitch, and you're going to hear that now. This is Simon Stainrod at his best, one of the most entertaining men and footballers you could ever wish to know about. What do you think about Eric in um, in England? Because he seems to represent a point that the, the apogee of the. If we we've talked about the era of you know yourself and Tony Curry and Hudson and Osgood and Worthington and whatever, there was an era 
in the Premier League when it wasn't like we started this conversation, when it wasn't anodyne, it wasn't robotic, there was De Canio. Yeah, De Canio. And there was Bergkamp. Yeah. And even in goals, Schmeichel was exactly what we've been talking about, although he's very good at his job. And there was Zola, and there was even Benny Carboni, and the, everywhere you well, look. Can you imagine Sheffield Wednesday? They've got, I think, at the same time, maybe Chris Waddle, Carboni, and De Canio. At or around, Simon. Can, can, at or around. Well, uh, it's it's a joy, imagine? it's a joy. It does seem like a dream now. But Eric must be the apogee of, of all of that because whether he's better than all the players we've talked about, he seemed to be a, a, a totem pole where the Premier League went, well, France didn't appreciate you. <laughs> it's actually the no, rest. Exactly. <laughs> the, the guy who throws his things at referees and shouts and swears and the French were like, and the, the Premier League was the place where that, we'll bring all your, your weak and your huddled masses. He's a king, he's fantastic. Mm. He practices, he turns up his collar and what. It was an extraordinary time, and, and it maybe his big benefit was timing. And, and the hint now is that maybe Manchester United are going to be smart enough to bring him back. But what, what did you view the Cantona years? How did you view the Cantona years? Um, Watching. Well, I played against him when I was in France, and uh, I, I knew it merits a description. I, I, my, we were playing uh, for Strasbourg. We were supposed to play Marseille. And uh, all the lads were talking about his player Cantona. And uh, he wasn't going to play because he'd had a fallout with a coach because he'd been brought off in a game and he'd taken his shirt off and thrown it in the coach's face. And he was banned for a, for a little bit. And uh, thank God he wasn't going to be playing. And... So we played Marseille. We played quite well. Actually, we were very unlucky not to get a draw. My fault. I, I, instead of heading it and scoring, I went for a volley and hit the bar. So, my fault. Anyway, and about two weeks later, and we've got a home game coming up. Is the Marseille of Papin up front? Yeah, yeah. Papin, um, the two centre-halves were Bernd Forster and uh, Moser, the Brazilian. Well, Moser was great. They were the best two centre-halves I ever Batistone played. Batistone would have still been playing, I Batistone, think, at that time. Batistone, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they, they were proper. Yeah. And uh, it was probably the best uh, best Marseille team that they had. And then they added Chris Waddle as well, like you know, which made him even better. So... Uh, we've got a home game coming. We, we missed a week for international week or whatever. And we've got a home game coming up, and we're playing Bordeaux. And uh, um, he, he was actually uh, loaned out to Bordeaux and, and played in this game. And he, he played that game. It's his first game, so you're probably wanting to impress. Right? He played that game. I don't think I saw him run once. And every touch of the ball was one touch. He never, never brought a ball down and played anybody in. He just played one touch. It's like he was in the dressing room before the game. He like, uh, what, what would really, really amuse me today is to not run and just touch it once every time I get it. And he did it. And he, he, it's like, it was like um, a coaching manual. It's like, you know, 90 minutes of how to play one touch. You could have played for Liverpool when you had a good team. You know, he'd have just walked straight in and gone like, oh, you play one touch, and like, boom, 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 boom. It was unbelievable. And when I said that to Howard, that, like, you know, you won't like him, Howard would never be able to uh, deal with that uh, individual temperament, whereas um, Alex Ferguson would embrace the individual temperament 
and make more of that individual temperament by making the team play better for that individual. Contrary with, with Howard, he would make the individual try to play better for the team. And uh, I think I think Alex's way works better. Have you put your finger in that description? You have to be really good, though. Yeah. You do, of course you do. Yeah. You, Special. You, you know, you can't... You can have an off day, but you can't have two. But that idea of, of taking the team and putting it so that the great player extremes brings out his very best, or the idea of taking a great player or any good player and saying, system first... Have you put your finger on why we, we don't have today the types of players we've been talking about over all these these anecdotes that, that systems rule? Because mm. there's no patience for the individual. The, you know, and, and the, the big problem is the people who are coaching the teams are educated to coach teams. They're not... How, how do you coach Eric Cantona? You, you, don't, you don't you don't coach him you you mentor him you you, you know you, you can't tell him how to play but you can put ideas in his head my question to you would be you, you probably try to convince him yeah yeah you cajole him a little bit you don't you're not trying to change him my, my little lad was playing when he was 14 for a Sunday league team at, at 12 he'd been to a professional club and um, didn't really enjoy the discipline and the you play this way and you play that way and when it's there you have to pass it there mm-hmm. and he, 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 he wasn't enjoying that so I said well just go and play for your Sunday team and just play your own football and if you're going to dribble, dribble if you're going to shoot, shoot if you're going to cross it, cross it but make sure that if you're playing you play with a smile on your face and you score goals and you make goals that's all you've got to do and then when it gets to the time we'll go back you can always put your bike in the seat so you give them that space to, to, to develop or I have I don't think everybody does it because not, not everybody has my experience so um, I, I, I want um, I, I, I want to see coaches um, give the responsibility back to the players and that, I sometimes see teams training where they'll have a game on and there'll be three coaches coaching the game and they'll stop the game and they'll say in this situation do this and in this situation do that and I was asked the question by his Sunday team's coach he didn't know that I'd been in football until this moment like you know and then he's googled me and he's gone you know he's been coming for two years and never said a word and like he said why have you never said anything I said well it's not my job to say anything you're the coach so like you know I'm not going to stick my nose in I just went to play and enjoy himself and he is doing he said, well, can't you come and do a session? Went, nope. He said, well, could you tell me like what you would do if you did a session? I said, I'd come. I'd put a bag of balls down. I'd put four cones down. I'd put some vests, some bibs down. And I'd go inside and have a cup of tea. <laughs> and I said, and what you find is, for ten minutes, they're all stood around doing nothing. I said, and then somebody will go like, well, he ain't going to come out, is he? So we better do something. So let's pick two teams. So the fella that's decided, he's your captain. You know. When, now, you tell us who's going to pick the two teams. So he says, well, it's best if we have two even ones. So we'll pick the two best players. So he picks your two best players for you. And then 
they're picking the teams. <laughs> so the last two to get picked are going like, we better have a go here. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you haven't done anything. But you've done so much more than going like, listen, when you get it there, if he pulls away from you, he's making a really good angle. And he's going to come in and he's going to make a nice little triangle there. And it's like, you know, it's There are three small themes left, although I'd like this to be first part of a series of seven, if you don't mind, like Alan Fluff Freeman, History yeah, of Pop. Yeah, yeah. Our sponsors, Bet365, are, are going to ask you in a minute, not now, but in a minute, what are your memories of the 1982 FA Cup final? But right now, I have to pick up a theme. You were talking about dot clubs coming to you and asking your advice, your help with players that have a little bit of a street about them, players that still have a little bit of um, the artful dodger about them. And you found one. You found one in, I, I, in Dembele. I, and, I do, yeah. And, and, you know, right now I look at him and I think I'm really privileged for all the flaws I can see. And what some of the conversations the football people have taught me not to look at the things he can't do or doesn't do, but look at the thing that he does do. And I'm really privileged that right now Dembele and Vinicius are coming through at the same time in La Liga at a time when Cristiano Ronaldo's gone away and Leo Messi's going to be 32 in June. But, but Dembele was, you know, you knew about his raw, extraordinary talent when he was at Rennes. He never played a first-team game. And he it. should have been at City, but he isn't. Mm. And the Nice coach probably went to sleep on watch when Patrick Vieira was still... I don't think he went to sleep on watch. I think he had... Why isn't, why isn't Dembele a City player, then? Because he had rules... Probably life rules that applied to him, which he applied to this situation. Patrick did. Yeah. So he didn't want a player who had never played a game in anyone's first team to come to Man City and say, "I want a number for the squad, and uh, I'm I'm better." He wasn't being big-headed. Uh, I'm better than anybody that's playing in your team, and he is. He he, he is. You know? Dembele is utterly extraordinary. Well, I'm so happy because I've been so worried about him. No. He's like flawed, uh, Simon, and, and, and immature, still to learn, but with the personality so to learn. He's stupid stick in the press. Like, yeah. oh, that's not true. If anybody hasn't no, watched yeah. Usman Dembele, we're talking about a player who Simon knew, spotted, and, and was in a, in a position to advise clubs about when, when Dembele was still in the academy at, at Rennes before Dortmund and he's now albeit with bumps you know he bumps about sleeping in and missing training and missing team meetings is, is, is Barcelona without him and when Barcelona without him they're a lesser team already and the kids you know half or a third of the way through his second season one season at Dortmund He's beyond where he should be, and he's let, literally let, extraordinary. Let, let, let me tell you what he does. When he's got the ball, if he's going to make a pass and there are two choices, he makes the pass that's most dangerous and makes it well. If he's got a dribble, he can beat a player in so many different ways. If he's going to cross it, he can whip it in, he can chip it up, he can like cut it back, left-footed or right-footed. He's completely ambidextrous. He's completely ambidextrous. He can shoot with his left foot the same as he shoots with his right foot. He don't know which way he's going to go. He's got an acceleration from zero to 60 that's like a Porsche. There's nobody on the planet, Simon, that plays football right now that goes from standing to that fast. Un- unbelievable. It, it, there is literally nobody. 
that I think Mbappe is a really good player, mm. but a great player is Usman Dembele. I, I think M, 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 Mbappe is a really, really good striker. Mm. Usman is a really, really good footballer. U- Usman's got a fantasy. Um, he'll he'll put bums on seats whether the ball goes in the net or not. He's got a weird imagination about yeah. what to do. He's still. I mean, he, I would argue that although I'm aware that he's got really strong personality, and I'm also aware that he is where he always wanted to be. He's been Barca fascinated. He's been Messi fascinated. He, and, he is, and it should work for him. I, I think that his his football maturity age is is not above where his his passport age, and it might be 18 months below it because I think I've watched him smelling the coffee. He's got all the gifts. He's always known he's going to make it because the gifts are there. He doesn't have athletic problems. He doesn't have injury repetitively. He, he's he's not full of he's not surrounded by bad people. It's all going to happen. But that whole thing about how hard he's had to work for it to happen, I, I'm I'm not certain about. But you see at football club Barcelona right now with solid, tough men around him, Messi included. When they're when they're they've giving instruction, he's listening. They've latched onto him. But I I see the the quid pro quo. Uh, he's going. Ah, okay. Now Mbappe, because he's got good people and he's quite a strong, bright guy to and tough. I think he found that quicker. I think he understood it. He's much, he's much more likable uh, because he he puts himself more in the press and he has a charm and uh, uh, of someone that's more seasoned and uh, you know he. he He's like much older than he's. Years. Season's a great word. That's that's exactly and, the difference. And, he, he, uh, and if I was manager of Man United, I'd probably today buy Mbappe to play in my team as opposed to Usman. But Usman is a better player. But but Man United are not as good as Barcelona. We're going back to your question about your, your point about big big clubs saying, okay, Simon, give me somebody who's anarchy, who's rock and roll. Who's a little bit different? Who's young? Who's un? Who's not Stepford Wives? They, yeah, but they, they don't. They don't want anarchy. They they just want someone who's easy on the eye. You know, passes forward quickly. Uh, never makes too many stupid mistakes, but they, uh, and has a little bit of imagination yeah. to do. You know, things which make a goal, but they don't. They don't. Today's people, they don't, they don't want someone who's too difficult, really. Behaviour-wise, they don't. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before I draw you to a, a, a final section, Bet365, what are your memories of the 1982 FA Cup final? My memory is you standing on the pitch doing, I think, a BBC interview. When the guy, not, not knowing you then, I, I look back now and I laugh, and, and the guy, the interviewer, is like, Simon, um, and you're in your, your suit. Bob Wilson. Is it Bob? Yeah. Are you, are you, are you quite confident? I mean, any sentence that starts to you, are you quite confident? Mm. <laughs> it's already a wasted question. Oh, yeah, I will win. You were quite, I'm quite, yeah, I was quite sure. Absolutely. Well. Glenn Rodgers was quite posh. You were very, uh, yeah, you were very well yeah. behaved, yes. Yes, yes. yes I rather th- <laughs> fancy our chances, yes. And, um... um... Sweet memories, do you remember much of it? The adrenaline, the... the, the what? First thing, it's not all that long uh, after my sister died. It's a couple of years after my sister died that we played in the cup final. I had no idea. Oh, a few years. I had no idea. Four years. And when the band played Abide With Me, it really got me before the game. I was in the toilets sobbing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? And um, um, that's probably my most important memory. Mm. Um, the game... The first game, yeah, it was just a game where you know you're playing against Spurs. They're, they're, they're not easy. You've got like Perryman who like you know rubs you up the wrong way all the time and he protects Hovel. Uh, you've got Graham Roberts who just wants to wind you up and kill you. Uh, Murray centre half, is it Murray? They were they were a difficult team to play against. And they were quite a successful team. They were crooks and archable up front. Yeah, yeah, good forwards. Yeah, very, yeah. very good forwards. Nice who, partnership. Who, who suited the way that Glenn Oddle played because he used to, as balls came into him from fullbacks, he'd just clip them into the space for two quick forwards. It was very, very difficult to defend against. The first game, I was just so pleased that we that we drew. Like you know, it was like uh, we, we we scored long throw. Flicked on by Bob Hazel and Fenn heads it in. And I don't know how long was left when we scored, but you know, we, we had extra time or whatever. Uh, I, I, there's a clip that I saw not too long ago of me getting the ball off the goalie and just rolling it back to him and getting it again. <laughs> so I'm just wanting another game at Wembley, you know. <laughs> and uh, and to be honest, that is what I really wanted. Uh, uh, my it was amb- so special to be at Wembley. Yeah, my ambition as a young lad growing up was to play for England and play at Wembley in a cup final I just really more than anything else really I wanted to play in a cup final well for anybody you know I just want to play in a cup final and um, but not the League Cup the FA Cup had to be the FA Cup it's a traditional one of course it is we had a really good party after the game and our our chairman was Jim Gregory who was a a well known London character and we had really, really good time at the hotel. And I got up early on the, the following morning. It was a really nice day. And we were in a hotel across from Hyde Park. And got all the papers and looked at that. And I thought, oh, this is just great. You know, I was so glad that we got another go at it. And, uh, uh, and I felt sure that we would win the second game. Um, 
in, in all honesty, I think we probably, you know, we, we lost 1 0. You know, we, we, it's a game we could have won. You know, we, had, we were unlucky. We hit the bar, we had a goal disallowed, we had like, you know, and we, and we played all right second games. First game, I think we were a little bit timid. And it was hard to get on the ball. I found it hard to get on the ball. At, um, although it's a big pitch at Wembley, I think that Tottenham had done their work like you know. What we haven't explained to anybody is that, uh, as well as Tottenham being well prepared, they, they were playing week in, week out at a higher level than QPR yeah, were because we, you'd we, still to be promoted. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So we were, if you like, in, that, in those days, second division team, so a championship team. So it, it'd be like. Uh, I don't know Norwich playing uh, playing Spurs today, but we had a team. You know, we had a team. We knew we were good. We were just we just had to be made in the second division, transported to the Premier League. And you know, we I think our first season we finished fifth. I think Premier League. So we weren't we weren't you know we were, we were good enough. Ready for the jump. The way to finish this, I suppose. Um, quiz question, and, and you're allowed to say I don't know, but it concerns you. At which given how good you were. Which I'm a testimony to, and, and anybody listening now understands fully. At which club were you paid a pound a week? <laughs> our, our, our producers' club is. Our producer Neil, <laughs> yes, at, at Falkirk. Yeah. Your contract stated it. I mean, I just have to say something. What did your career come to that you you were forced to take a pound a week at to Fol- play football at, at, at Falkirk? Falkirk? I I just. I was living the dream. I, I told you this is. I told you uh, we could do this all day, and he'd, he'd still be coming out with lines like that. I tell you, one of the one of the, the happiest times of my life. Was no, for Falcon. he's still not going to pay the bill. Not, whatever happens, whatever uh, you say here. Why? Freedom and uh, uh, just a general willingness of everyone at the same time to want to do something right everybody you know it didn't end that way but it started that way and it and it and it got to a point where it was far enough along for it to be all right but uh it was um when i when i signed well before i'd signed there you know jim jeffries is a very very uh, cautious person and he wanted to make sure he was getting something that was all right, you know. So they got a six-a-side tournament at Musselburgh, uh, where Dundee were playing Dundee United, Rangers, Celtic, Hibs, Hearts, and uh, so we played this six-a-side competition, and uh, and I played for Falkirk. We we won it, and I got the player of the tournament, and and afterwards, uh, I th- I was thinking like. Well, it's nice of them to let me play in this, like you know, because I, I actually thought it was like they're under twenty ones or under eighteens or something. I thought, you know, and I said, like you know, it's it good, you know, because I could have done me playing because I'd, I'd been on strike at Rouen, so uh, I, I'd not been playing much. They stopped paying the players, so I decided to go on strike. Withdraw your labour. So yeah, so um, um, I, I asked uh, David Holmes, who was the chairman at the time. I said like uh, yeah. So what is it? Under eighteen, under twenty? No, no. They're the first team players. That was the best we've got. And I went like, <laughs> you know me. Be all right if I don't get injured. So, anyway, we uh, 
I'm pretty sure that Jim decided it might be all right after that. <laughs> I, I thought you were like, going to have the punchline would have been that he phoned Howard Wilkinson or Eric Cantor. I uh, said, am I going to let this go? No, to be fair, Jim, Jim's an old school manager. But I've never come across a manager who worked as hard as he did. He, he, I mean, he used to go in his car and watch games down in England to try and bring a player back and be training bright and breezy at 10 o'clock the next day. And I, I don't know how he had the energy for it. He was so determined. I, 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 I think it's because he came up through the ranks a little bit. And when you earn, when you have to work hard for everything you earn, yeah. you never lose that habit. And he, and he, and he really, really had that uh, grit and determination. He should have been, I think he should have been a little bit more, de- he should have defended me a little bit more and, and given me a bit more at the end. Right, you know, I think, I think, because we, we, we had agreed this pound a week thing wasn't forever. You know, this pound a week was until we got promoted. Without without saying anything worrying, in case your accountant's listening, there were certain attractions as to how often you played. Yeah. Financially. Yeah. How often you played? How many goals? And if we won the league? And I, I mean, I know that I, I probably earned around eight times what the best paid player got in that year you know it was all, it was all on, on my back your name had to be on the team sheet you had to perform you had to score the team had to go up yeah incentives and you know what I never thought about it once never never ever once never thought about anything apart from playing and having fun did you feel the love is that part of what was ma- what made it fun because you, I don't know what the hoops think about you what Sheffield United Rome might be a different case but like at Falkirk Ahead of anything I know, I was like you'd literally just adored, and and I guess with your character, that must have felt quite pleasant. Yeah, it was great. I, I have to say, um, you know, I'm not with, with the internet. You can always look back now and again, and it's quite nice to look back now and again. And there are interviews on there uh, uh, with um, uh, BBC and whoever else, and uh, you know people saying nice things and uh, the, the, but the, the thing with Falkirk was I don't know it was just, were you there well he's, I'm asking the producer now were you there the day we won the league yes yeah when I got on the table with the cup it's just uh... happy days whoa it's so dear listener when you ask the right questions sometimes you strike a chord and what you're used to particularly what I'm used to I've spent a week where I went to Porto to speak to Iker Casillas at Barcelona I had a lovely interview with Eric Abidal and with Samalum Titi and you're hoping that you connect you're hoping that you get the right words you're hoping that you get um, a smile and that you'll remember when you ask a footballer that I adored and a guy who's become a friend like what was it like a Falkirk? And he was like, the thing that could still potentially reduce me to tears today would be sitting, standing on a table in Neil's hometown and lifting the cup in the air. Ah, that's the beauty of football. That's the gorgeous thing about football. Simon Stainrod, uh, adopted Frenchman, Yorkshireman to the core, Falkirk title winner. This has been a wander through a garden of joy. <laughs> You're outstanding.
Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us, to become a socio, and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview, plus regular mini-documentaries, not only all ad-free, but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny, and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road, interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead. 